0: I want to jump right in today and finish off this sermon series that we've been working through called Better Together. We've reached the final week, week six of Better Together, and we're going to complete this study today, but I really felt like we can't complete a study talking about how we're better together in ways that we're better together, in ways that we share our lives together without talking about how we can become more generous together as a community. Now, remember, in the very first week that we kicked off this series, I had them put up the mission statement of the church on the screen. I'm going to have them do that again, and if you would join with me, let's read this together. This isn't my mission statement. This is our mission statement at Silver Creek Fellowship, so we'll start with the word together if you'd read this with me. Together discovering God's dream for our lives. Very good. Together, we are discovering God's dream. And we said God's dream for our lives is big. It's holistic. It involves a dream for your family, for your finances, for your relationships, for your work and your habits and your health and your sexuality, for your faith, for your neighborhood, for your community. God has a perfect dream for our lives and we are gonna go about as a community discovering that dream Together. It's the first word in our mission statement. Together. We have said repeatedly throughout this series that we need each other, friends. That it is the community of God gathered together where we get the different parts of God's body working together as a whole. We were never, ever, ever, ever created to live alone. Yet in our society today, we live increasingly isolated lives. And so this entire sermon series really been targeted at how do we as a church family really take hold of and step into a genuine biblical view of our relationships of how we were created to live and be together because as we've said repeatedly we are better together and we need to be reminded of this truth over and over and over again so To finish off this sermon series, I want to talk about what I think is maybe the most difficult and most challenging dimension of community that we've addressed yet. Because today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, our money. Today we're going to look at how we're better together through generosity. So I want to dive right in today. So here we go, right from the start. Why does God want us to learn to be generous with others. Point number one, if you're taking notes in your bulletin or on the app or online, number one is generosity creates community. Here, let me read to you 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 12. Paul says to the church in Corinth, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. See, what's saying is when we are generous with each other, that generosity actually fosters an environment of thankfulness and worship. We thank God for each other and with each other, and this process deepens our connection with each other. When we're generous with each other, that is a practical demonstration of our love. It's a tangible demonstration of our community and our love for one another. And as we do that, it deepens the level of community that exists with us. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been caught off guard by somebody's generosity? Like somebody did something so over the top or so generous or so unexpected that immediately you started to think, what's the catch here? What's the catch? This is too good to be true. People don't show generosity like this unless they're trying to get something back in return. You see, because the problem is in our culture, we are not used to radical generosity. And whenever we experience it, our first default uh, program is skepticism, right? We think, now, what is this all really about? But in the local church, friends, this should be a place where radical generosity is being experienced on a regular basis. I mean, isn't that what the whole gospel is all about? the radical generosity of our God who loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. And there was nothing that we did to deserve it. There was nothing that we did to earn it. It was so over the top. It was so lavish that it was just a byproduct of the generosity of our God. The Bible says, Matthew 6.21, this is an important verse for us when we talk about generosity. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. This is Jesus speaking, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where you put your time, your money, your effort, your energy, wherever you invest yourself is the thing naturally that's going to attract you. Your money tends to be a magnet in your life for your attention and for your affection. You want to get passionate about a company? Invest in that company. Suddenly, a company that meant nothing to you before, you now have affection for. You're rooting for them. You want them to do great. Why? Because your money's wrapped up in that company. There's a truth that the things that we put our money to attract our heart, attract our attention. So if that's true, if Jesus is right, then... We better make sure that we are intentionally directing and guiding our hearts toward the right stuff. If where our treasure is, there our heart is, then we need to make sure that we are putting our heart and our treasure in the right place. You see, for many of us in our culture, our heart is tied up in our retirement plan. Our heart is tied up in our home. Our heart is tied up in our hobbies. That's where we put our first and our best when it comes to our money and our energy. So if Jesus said, if what Jesus said is true, then those are the things that are going to get our first place attention. And it's so easy for us, friends, to get caught up in the ways of this world. It's so easy for us to want to store up, to, to want to be stingy, to want to be miserly with our money. But I found this interesting this week. The word miserly is the same Latin root word as the word miserable. Miserly and miserable are the same root word. It, it actually means in Latin wretched, okay? And any time that, that I am living that miserly, stingy lifestyle, that hoarding lifestyle, What it ends up doing is it makes us miserable, friends. But anytime, the flip side, that I'm generous, I'm generous with you, I'm generous with the poor, I'm generous with anyone, with my time, with my affection, with my attention, with my money, that is where my heart is going to go. And if you want to see God transform your heart One of the key ways he does that is through your generosity. As you begin to be generous with others, God, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So giving and generosity creates community. In the first Christians, we've talked about them a lot, the very first church, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter four. We've talked about them throughout this series because they're such a model for us, but they They did some radical stuff when it comes to generosity. Stuff like Acts 2.44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Acts 4.32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Can you see where their heart was? Where their treasure it was? There their heart was. Their heart was turned to this new radical expression of community, and a family, and their affection, and their heart, their money, all of it was wrapped up together. They didn't compartmentalize themselves. They didn't see this as off-limits, and this is a... They saw all of it holistically as belonging to each other. They were a family. So generosity creates community. Here's the second thing generosity does, and this is a big one for us. Generosity defeats materialism. Generosity defeats materialism. The more generous that I am with you, the more it defeats materialism in my life. And we live in a culture that worships at the throne of materialism. Okay, Materialism is a huge idol in our Western culture. Okay, In our Western culture, in the USA, the American dream more and more has come to mean having a bunch of stuff. It's about the things that we have and the things that we want. But here's the problem with that dream. Just about the time that you catch up with the Joneses, the Joneses refinance their house again. And buy another boat or do a backyard remodeling project and get a gazebo from Costco and a fire pit and a pizza oven. And man, here's the thing, we try and we try and we try to keep up with the people around us because we think, man, they're happy over there and I need that stuff if I'm going to be happy like them. But here's the problem, friends. What we don't know is last year they declared bankruptcy and their marriage is on the fritz because we're so focused on the stuff. Because the stuff in our culture is so impressive. Friends, we have to guard against this. The bigger your budget, the bigger your toys, right? That's the American dream. So now you get a raise, you earn a little more, yay, I can now have more stuff. Now, friends, don't misunderstand me. Having a nice backyard and a nice house and a nice car isn't the problem. It's the order of your priorities that become the problem if your backyard and your house and your boat keep you from being able to be generous with your money with others, then, friends, that's where materialism sets in because now no longer can we respond if God asks us to be generous. We say, but I can't because look, I've spent it all on myself. Friends, this is about the order of our priorities, the order of our heart, the antidote to materialism, and there's only one antidote, it's generosity. Every time we are generous, this is a spiritual victory in our hearts. Every time we're generous, we're breaking the grip of materialism on our lives. Why? Because materialism is all about get, 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 get. And by far, friends, you have to understand, this is our sin nature. Our sin nature doesn't care about the effect on anyone else as long as it's good for me, as long as it makes me happy, as long as it benefits me, that's number one, looking out for myself. That's the sin nature in us, not the nature that God intended for us to live in, not God's dream for our life. Let me ask you, what if if you are a parent What if your kids never see you giving? What if your kids only ever see you acquiring? What does that produce in them? But see, this is a huge problem that we have, is even when we do give, We give in such a way that our kids and other people never are even aware of it. And so they grow up seeing you go to Lowe's, seeing you go to Ace, seeing you ordering things for the home, but they never see the flip side. We have to learn how to engage our families in our generosity, to do things together. Because if this is important, friends, if we're going to break the hold materialism has on us, we're going to need to be discipled in generosity. The Bible says in Matthew 6 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's Jesus. That's hard language, Jesus. Remember the rich young ruler story? When the rich young ruler came, she said, Yeah, come follow me, but go home and sell everything. He's like, Whoa. Like, I was prepared for other stuff, but not that. Notice Jesus doesn't say you shouldn't serve two matters, two masters. He doesn't say it's a bad idea to serve two masters. He says you can't. It's impossible. You cannot have two number one priorities in your life. One of them is going to be number one, and one of them is not. And So the question is, is your money, are you serving it, or is it serving you? Is your money in first place in your life? Is that the off-limits thing? Is that the topic we can't talk about? Is that the area of my discipleship that we just can't go there? Or are we willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to consider this. I'm willing to look at this. I'm willing to be open when it comes to my money because I don't want that to be God of my life. I want you to be God of my life. I want to serve you with my money, not the other way around. Okay, number three, it strengthens my faith. Generosity strengthens my faith. The Bible says it like this. We'll go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, there's a huge amount in 2 Corinthians 9 about generosity and about our money. Here's verse 13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, it, it was actually a proof of their faith. The fact that they were willing to be generous. Because like I said, this isn't natural, friends. We're talking about kingdom of God stuff. This is supernatural. It's not natural to want to give away something that you worked hard to earn. This is supernatural. Understanding that everything actually comes from God in the first place. And every good and perfect gift is from Him. So I'm not giving back what's His. Actually, it all belongs to Him. And it's amazing that He allows me to be in charge of it in the first place. We talk about this a lot in step two of our next step process. I don't know why God, well, actually, I'm going to go back. I do know why. God put more promises in the Bible connected to money and generosity than any other topic. Why? Because he knew this was going to be a struggle for us. He knew this is something that we humans would struggle with. And God wants us to be generous because he wants us to be like him. He wants us to rely on him instead of relying on ourself. And sooner or later, friends, we as a church have to decide if we believe the promises of the Bible are true or not. We have to decide. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds hard. But it's just the reality. Do I believe the promises of Scripture when it comes to money to be true or not? 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is the principle we talk about a lot of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you reap. But here's what I love about sowing and reaping. we got some farmers in the room. If I take a kernel of corn and I put it in the ground, does it return one kernel of corn? No, it's exponential. When I grow a kernel of corn, the stock that comes from that kernel has hundreds if not thousands of kernels on the stock. It's multiplication. It's exponential. This is what God is asking of us, to trust him, to sow into his kingdom, and in exchange, he promises that we will harvest a reward. Whatever you give out, you get back at greater degree in your life. It's sowing and reaping. And sooner or later, we have to ask ourselves, do I think this is true? Is this just something that people put in Scripture because they wanted to take all our money from us? Or do I believe this is the Word of God, that it's inspired, that it's inerrant, and that it's the truth? Because if it's true, then how much of it is written about our money? See, we ask these questions. And, and this is a struggle for us because, again, friends, this is another time where what we're talking about here is the exact opposite of our human nature. Human nature is to amass, is to hoard, is to stockpile, is to accumulate. Human nature is worry and anxiety, and especially when it comes to our money. So generosity becomes a real place where our faith is tested, where our faith is can be stretched and our faith can grow. Will I be generous and expect God to keep his promises? See, a lot of people, even believers, have views of money that are much more like atheist views than biblical views. We view money and we don't say these things out loud, but that's kind of an off-limits area of my life. Now, we wouldn't say it out loud, right? Because if we heard ourselves say it, we would know we're wrong but we live like it's true. What happens when you become a more generous person? Well, the Bible says, look, let's look at Paul's instructions. Once again, to the church in Corinth. We'll read a little bit more of it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Going on. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God says, if you practice generosity, being generous with the people who are around you, that he will bless you with everything you need plus more so that you have more to share with other people. That's what the word abundance means. God is looking for a people that he can bless. God is looking for a people who are willing to be a blessing. Friends, this is like one of the major narrative arcs arcs of the whole Bible that God looks for people who he can bless, who then in, in turn will be a blessing in the world in which they live. It's the original blessing of Abraham. Do you remember Abraham? I blessed you so that you can be a blessing. And that we see all throughout the narrative of the Bible, that God is searching for people he can bless so that they will bless others. Do you want to be in on that? Do you want to be a people who get to experience the blessing of God upon your life? Do you want to see God's blessing in greater measure? Then, let's read it again. I'll go slower this time. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give What you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Number four. (coughs) Number four, when I'm generous with other people, it's an investment in eternity. Generosity is an investment. Luke 16.9, Jesus says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. You've heard me say this many, many, many times. You cannot take it with you. I love estate sales. Anyone else love estate sales? Got some estate sale people in the room? Great. Here's a depressing thought for you. You ready? One day when you're gone, people are going to walk through your home. They are going to barter over your stuff that your kids and grandkids want nothing to do with and they are going to buy the stuff that you spent your whole life accumulating for as cheap as they possibly can. Ah, the American dream. (laughs) I know it's depressing, but it's the truth. You cannot take it with you. And in our modern America, if you do happen to make it to the end with some money still in the bank, then the government's going to take it from you. Or the healthcare system's going to take it from you. One of those two is going to end up with it. It's the world in which we live. But friends, we have a better hope and a better system than this. By storing up and investing our resources in eternity. Every time you are generous with the poor, every time you care for a friend, every time you help a neighbor, every time you help anybody, any time you are generous with your time, with your money, with your effort, you are storing up for yourself investment capital in the bank of heaven. You may live 80, 100 years here on the earth but you are going to spend a long, long time in eternity. So which place would you rather have your deposits made? Which place would you rather have your deposits ready? 1 Timothy 6, 18-19. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they're storing up their treasures as a good foundation For the future, so that they may experience true life. There is no greater investment than investing in the kingdom of God. Nothing has returns like the kingdom of God. When you help other people with your money, when you help other people with your time, you are investing in heaven. And there's been a lot in the news lately about banks and investments, haven't there? Let me tell you something about heaven's investment. Heaven's investment is fully guaranteed. Right? Every dollar is fully guaranteed. Every dollar's backed. It's never gonna need bailed out, right? It's always going to be there. This God's financial system is, is backed and guaranteed by the creator of the universe himself. It is the soundest, the most real and tangible investment you can ever make. Matthew six, nineteen through twenty-one. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number five, generosity. This is so cool how God does this. Generosity blesses me in return. Generosity blesses me in return. This truth is stated over and over and over again in the Bible. God blesses those who are generous, literally. Look this up. Hundreds of times in the Bible, this truth is talked about, that God blesses us when we're generous for others. God wants us to get it. He didn't put it in the Bible that many times for us to just think that this is kind of like a minor subplot. No, God is saying our generosity is vitally important because God wants to bless this earth. And how does God bless this earth? Us. His representatives on this earth. There's a lot of examples of how generosity blesses us in return. Listen to this one, Deuteronomy 15.10. God says, Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hands to. If you're a circler or an underliner, you better circle the word all and everything. Right now, you better underline those. You better put a box around them. Because God says, I will bless you in all of your work and in everything you put your hand to if you give generously. I wonder how many of us in this church would say, I'd like to be blessed in everything that I do. I'd like my hands to be blessed in my work. Well, God says, you can have that. Be generous. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? See, what's amazing to me is that we can trust God with our eternal salvation and yet struggle with trusting Him with our money. I trust Him to keep my soul safe. I trust that, I, that he, he saved me, that he's forgiven me of my sin, but when it comes to my money, that's mine. Friends, I feel sorry. For many of you, because you miss out on the blessings God wants to give you in your life through generosity, I can tell you, friends, I can give you testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have gone through incredibly difficult things in their life but have found one thing to be 100% for certain, that God blesses his people when they are generous, that he helps you regardless of your circumstance or situation. So how do we have this attitude that God wants us to have? in giving. The Bible has a lot to say about that as well because it begins in our heart. God is a lot more interested in your heart and your willingness to give than the amount that you give. See this was the problem Jesus dealt with this through um through different stories that he told, he talked directly to see the Pharisees loved the people who showed up with the big gifts, right? That's impressive to humanity. The people who brought up the big bags, even though they were sacrificing very little, they were giving big amounts, which again, we are impressed by big amounts. But our God wants us to have a willing heart. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 8:12. Paul says, For it is the willing, for if the willingness is there. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Could that be more clear? I mean, seriously, it's such a simple, important thing for us to understand. We're not talking about amounts. We're not. This has nothing to do with how big the check you write is. This is all about our heart. This is all about our motives. It's all about whether or not we are willing to consider and be honest about our money. You know that this is one of the areas of the Bible, this is radical, but God actually says, hey, you can actually test me on this if you want to. God says, you can test me. Malachi 3, 8-12. through 12. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet, you rob me. But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in the fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Friends, we are better together. Each one of us, when we respond to God's move in our life and we grow in generosity together, as a community of generosity, we have exponential potential to bless this community in which we live and this world and each other. And I love this about our church family. I love how generous of church this is. This is a church that gets it. And I want us to see to even greater measure. I don't want any of you to miss out on this potential. When the pandemic hit and nobody knew what to do, nobody knew how to support local businesses, all of us had the same thought, this is terrible, what's happening to them, that they have to close, that they can't show up to work. Well, what did we do as a local church? We raised $70,000 right here in offerings and we gave it to the small business leaders of our community so that they would be blessed. When the war started uh, with Russia, invasion of Ukraine, and we thought, what can we do about it? We as a church family sent $35,000 to support the churches in Poland and Ukraine that were helping these refugees and these victims, including purchasing 200 coats and sets of pants for children that had been orphaned by the war. This year, we drilled a brand new well on the campus of our uh, sister church in Gabon to provide safe and clean water that's available to a community of thousands. This year, we've continued traveling to Gabon, training pastors how to have healthy, local, community-minded churches. We continue to support the Scott family, our missionaries, who pioneered unbelievably substantial, enormous work in Cambodia. We have helped countless family members in our church in their moment of need and crisis. We support organizations like Union Gospel Mission and Salem for Refugees. We invest huge resources into our youth and children, into community focused VBS, Easter egg hunts, family fun days, youth camps, retreats, trips, just to name a few. <clears throat> our Mission of Hope Food Pantry has blessed thousands of people in the month of February. We provided a week's worth of food for more than 1,500 individuals. And this month is going to blow those numbers away. Our building and facility, this entire property and all of our facilities, we own outright debt-free and because of that, we are able to use our facility as a blessing to our community from Silver Falls School District teacher trainings to robot clubs to Gamblers Anonymous, CR, Daniel Plan, Line Dancing, Toddler Play Group, Yoga, Mom's Next, Women's Bible Study, Prayer Meetings, Youth Group, Men's Breakfast, Christian Counseling, Rooted Young Life, Wildlife, Step Study, Recovery Groups, Campaigners, Small Groups, just to name a few. And that's not the big picture, that's a week. Friends, We are seeing God use us in ways that we just have been praying for and asking God for years. And He, in this moment in time, has really brought us together. And I believe He's placed us for a harvest. We are better together. Generosity makes a huge difference because together we are able to do far more than we can individually. God is calling us to bring our resources into the storehouse. And in that promise, he says, I'll bless you. And as you give, I'll pour blessing out on that. You'll be blessed and all that you do. Everything you put your hands to will be blessed. God wants this church to be a refuge of help and resources to the community and to the world. And I pray that he's brought you here to participate in that. Because I believe, friends, that as we participate together and grow in generosity, that we are really uniquely positioned by the Lord for a season of harvest. Band, you can come back up. I believe that God, in these days ahead of us, wants to see this local church grow in our heart for generosity for our community even more than what we've experienced to this point. I firmly believe that when it comes to children in this community and youth in this community, that we can become and are becoming a place of not just refuge, but a place where disciples are being made, where fun is being had, where kids get to experience the love of Jesus in tangible ways, and where our campus gets to serve more and more people the love of Jesus. I believe, friends, that we are walking into a season of harvest, And it's going to take a lot of generosity and God is going to continue to add to our numbers daily those who are being saved. Remember the reason for all of this is we believe there are so many left in our community that need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe so many kids need to be set free. We believe so many parents need healing. We believe so many need set free from addiction. We believe that God wants to move in our time, in our day, in our community. And so he's brought us here together to care for each other, to love one another, to build up each other, to support each other, to work together uh, with our money that we would grow together, that we would love each other and that radical love that we show for each other would be seen by our community, that they would see the way that we love each other and that would turn into worship and praise to our Father who's in heaven. Friends, we are better together. We need you and we need each other. You've lived in isolation too long. There's a family here that wants to love you and care for you, that wants to see you joined in, that wants to see your life and your gifts matter, that wants to see you participating with us to run the race that God has laid in front of us.